I'm Margaret Mueller, President and CEO of the Executives Club of Chicago, Chicago region's top business forum. Join me on the Executives Exchange as we go deep with some of the most successful executives from the Chicago region and unlock the keys to their success. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this. Today's episode of the Executives Exchange spotlights Lynn Osmond, President and CEO of Choose Chicago. She is joined by guest host Teresa Wilton Harmon, the Chicago office managing partner at Sidley Austin. Osmond tells us her tale of going from music to architecture to championing all things Chicago. She details her mentorship experience, her 25 years with Chicago Architecture Center, and why she's passionate about Chicago's future. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Lynn. Lynn, thank you so much for taking time today. We are really excited to get to know you a little bit better on the Executives Exchange with the Executives Club of Chicago. And I'm lucky because I've already been able to work with you in a couple of organizations and efforts around town, but this is a chance to learn a little bit more about the background. So welcome today. Oh, it's wonderful to be here and especially to be interviewed by you since we got to know each other so well at the Burnham Fellows for uh, leadership Greater Chicago. Exactly. So we want to talk as we evolve our conversation today about your new role as president and CEO of Choose Chicago. But I don't want to start there because your journey has been an interesting one, a fun one, um, and really incremental at, at each step. So let's go back a little bit. Um, and before we start talking about your role as, as the lead of Chicago's tourism agency, let's talk about um, where you started. Um, you didn't grow up in Chicago, I know. Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about growing up and, and how did you end up making your first move um, to the U.S. even before Chicago? Well, I grew up in St. Catharines, Ontario, and that is close to Niagara Falls. My parents are both born in England, so I was first generation Canadian. And then I moved to the United States in 1990 to take on a job as CEO of the, sorry, general manager of the Buffalo Philharmonic. And Lynn, that was not a stretch for you because you had wonderful musical training and talent and experience, right? Yeah, I grew up uh, always wanting to be a professional musician and uh, working in the arts uh, business for the arts. And I went to school actually to train for music and ended up getting a, a slash music and business degree and then ended up going into arts administration and had a successful career in Canada running various symphony orchestras and then moved to Buffalo to take on the job as general manager of the Buffalo Philharmonic. And that was really my journey into the United States. Well, we're glad that you made it. What were some of the lessons or challenges about leading an arts or a music organization that turned out to be helpful later on? Well, I think the biggest thing is that anybody who knows a lot about symphony orchestras knows that it's a challenging profession these days. While I love music, the reality is that it's really harder to sell subscriptions. Music is not being offered in our schools. So it is a declining audience enrollment. And so with, really my talent became being very good at selling symph packaging symphonies and selling tickets. And so what the skill from that was really about marketing and about product development. And so my expression is that if you can put bums in seats in symphonies, you can really do about anything. And so moving to the Chicago Architecture Foundation, now the center, it was easy to really put that same energy and passion. And I found that, you know, if you put that much energy and passion into something, 
uh, it actually can grow if you're in the right uh, sector. And certainly architecture in this city was the right sector. I love that message. So tell us a little bit more about the Chicago Architecture Center. You and I have been lucky to spend some really quality time there. Um, I absolutely love the scale model of the city that is really a feature of, of the center uh, in, in downtown Chicago now. But tell um, our listeners a little bit more about it. Well, first, let me just step with, because people will say how I ended up from symphonies into architecture. And mm -hmm. Buffalo really is the only other city that rivals Chicago with this architecture. And it was the home of the Erie Canal and really has some wonderfully uh, wonderful architecture by Daniel Burnham, by Louis Sullivan, by uh, Frederick Law Olmsted. So I became passionate about architecture in that city. So it was easy when I got the call to run the Chicago Architecture Center to make that transition. But back then, you know, it was the Architecture Foundation. That was in 1996 that I took it on. And we had um, really have developed it from then. So when I inherited, we had one architecture river cruise, one boat, and we were able to really make it into what my husband calls a small Navy by adding, uh, making it into five boats with our great partners, the Chicago's First Lady, really expanded our education programs, our docent program. And, you know, we're so well known by the 88 different architecture tours that we do in the city. And that's really a highlight for me working with the volunteers who do that. But, you know, out of that, we also organized um, many architecture programs and really had this long range vision for developing a new center for Chicago, which happened in 2018 with the development of the Chicago Architecture Center. And I encourage everyone to, to make a stop by um, Wacker Drive and, and check that out. So you talked earlier about having developed a skill set uh, with the symphony that involved packaging different services and opportunities that people would want to buy and that involved bringing an energy and a passion to something that would really allow it to grow. How did those skills um, work for you at the Chicago Architecture Center? Well, I think one of the things I recognize is what's the entry point for people to become involved with your uh, product, in which case that was symphony music, and then, of course, with architecture. So, you know, looking at what's the entry point, of course, for many people, the first exposure they'll have to architecture is through the Architecture River Cruise. But they may be taking that because they're just, they've heard from all their friends and family, they have to take it. But what it allows them to do is become appreciate appreciate better what this built environment is around them. So it teaches them to look up. And when they start looking up, they start understanding architecture because architecture is kind of a complex subject, a complex word, but they begin starting to understand and appreciate what it is. And then you can bring them through into the walking tours, into the exhibitions, into the various programs and have them, you know, really start through this cycle of life, starting to love architecture, but also to get more deeply involved. And I think that was really good because then it also allowed me to see where the windows of expansion are. And one of the things that two of the products that I'm so proud of developing would be, first of all, Open House Chicago, which was something that we developed uh, over 11 years ago now, which is uh, actually 12 years ago, I guess it is, where we open up the city, uh, all the buildings, about 250 buildings in the city, 20 different neighborhoods where people can go out and customize their experience and really look behind the scenes. And that's one um 
weekend in October. That is just a fabulous city festival with over 100,000 people now participating. Then the other thing, uh, Teresa, you mentioned was talking about the city model. And I saw city models in Sydney and then again in London. And I said, you know, we really have to develop a model here for the city because it's a great way to understand space and place. And we developed a model in 2009 that was part of the Burnham Centennial. And then we quickly found out that we could never take it down because it was such an attraction. And so we just left it, you know, expanded it and really built the center around the theme of having a magnificent city model. I love the conversation about expansion, and I wanted us to spend some time today, Lynn, talking about growth. Um, this is a moment in our economy. It's a moment in our city when so many people are thinking about how do we grow, and you had that success. You were able to expand into new products, we might say, or offerings, um, but you also really grew the organization itself um, to an organization with a $25 million budget and an annual audience of 700,000 people. Um, how, how did you fully determine um, where your priorities would be, at not just opportunities, but priorities? And, and tell us a little bit about your growth mindset. I think all of our executives are hungry to know more about that. Well, I think for me, it was looking at what was the key thing that I heard when I came in, what were audiences saying? And everybody was saying architecture river cruise. So I looked and said, you know, that's really successful because we have this fabulous partnership with Chicago's First Lady Cruises, but how do we make it more successful? And what were the key elements? Well, one of the key elements was that we were on a year to year contract with our partner. Well, anybody knows that you can't grow with that sort of instability. And my work with musicians knew, told me that, you know, with the unions, you always wanted a three to five year contract. So you knew where your stability was. So by building a five year contract that allowed them to go to the bank and borrow money to get another boat. But it also allowed us to look at having a more stable income stream, which meant that we could develop other programs such as our youth education programs, which became really a national uh, focus for us, but also allowed us then to fundraise. So it's looking at what are those uh, both low-hanging fruit, but all those strategic things of your identity and how do you build them and build capacity around those issues so that you can expand perhaps into other areas and continue to build funding streams. So, you know, I would say that if you look back, it's really about securing our funding and then once you secure your funding, then you can look at other opportunities for growth and development. I love that. A stable foundation first and then and then take care of how high you can go. It sounds like an architectural concept. You mentioned really briefly there your educational programs or your youth programming. Can you tell us more about that um, and how you really worked to get young people more interested in architecture? Well, yes, we were very fortunate because I inherited a program called the Newhouse Architecture Competition, which was something we've been doing with architects and with the school system, Chicago Public Schools, for a number of times. And it was created by Senator Newhouse, who wanted to be an architect, but he found that the, the profession was very um, white and very male, and he found it not welcoming to him with his background and experience. And he, when he became a senator, wanted to diversify that express experience. And so we already had this foothold when 
the Chicago Public Schools. So then through a great associate, Jill Weinbanks was then at the uh, Chicago Public Schools and the Education to Careers. We cooked up the idea of making a full-time curriculum based on architecture in the schools. And so we developed the first architecture handbook of its kind in the country, which served as a high school curriculum. So that really allowed us then to expand our youth education program, develop curriculum also for K-8, because what's interesting about architecture, it's not just about making young architects. It's also seeing people, giving people a new set of glasses to see their communities and to participate as active environments in the built environment. And so that was really important to engage these students in place-based learning so they could learn more about their neighborhoods and about the city and how to become great citizens. So that really was a foundation. And out of that, we were able to develop a a new program, which is about girls um, called Girls Build. And it's for middle schoolers that are girls only. And trying to, you know, I think when we uh, look at girls and in that middle school, they kind of go left or right away from the sciences. And when you develop a program that's really about nurturing them, they really embrace it in that safe environment and begin to grow and then want to develop into architects or designers or just engineers. I love that answer, Lynn. You know, you I feel like you've touched on so many of our key issues that we're thinking of, about across our community, about opportunity, about diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, about awareness of our surroundings as, as part of a developmental process for youth. But, but you also pegged it to civic education, which I think is a really interesting angle um, and can also be part of our part of our civic pride. So we've started with Canada and music and symphony management and all the links in Buffalo architecture and appreciation to Chicago. We found ourselves at the Chicago Architecture Center. Um, we've told a lot of your story right now, but I think some of the most interesting um, part of the story is, is about to come. So you have not left the Chicago Architecture Center as part of your heart or your activity. I think you're still involved um, on the board of trustees if, or, or with the board of trustees, if, if I recall um, correctly. I want to hear about where you think the Architecture Center goes first and what we should all or, or goes next and, and what we should all know about it and be prepared for. Um, and then I want to ease into tourism and talk a little bit more about Choose Chicago. So what's next, do you think, for the Architecture Center and, and what should we all know before we, we move on in our discussion? Well, first of all, I was very honored that when I accepted my new role, the board asked me to stay on and they actually have made me a president emeritus. So I will be there for a long time. And I'm really excited about that role in playing that. They just hired a successor for me, Eleanor Gorski, who comes to us with a rich background. She has a degree in um, architecture, also has worked well at the city and with the land bank, and is very well known in the city planning circles, so will be a great person to succeed us. I think her passion for what is going on in all the neighborhoods of Chicago is going to be great because the Chicago Architecture Center under my leadership, uh, we started getting very involved with the planning department in the Invest for Southwest Neighborhoods. And so I know that's a key for her as to how do we make sure that architecture and design is equitable in all our neighborhoods. And I know that's gonna be a key focus of hers, but also a key focus will be in 
you know, energizing the center. It was developed in 2018. This is always a time when about four years later, five years later to reflect and say, what's really working? How do we change some things? How does she make it her own? So I'm thrilled with her um, new set of eyes because she does come from, um, uh, she's worked in museums before. So she's got a wonderful uh, balance of being an architect and also being a museum professional. So I think that'll be great for the Chicago Architecture Center. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Sure. Audio equipment for the Executives Exchange podcast is provided by Sure Incorporated. When your team is depending on you for information and motivation, you can't afford to sound anything less than clear and confident. For nearly 100 years, performers and world leaders have depended on Sure microphones. Whether you're in front of a camera or behind a podium, Sure lets you sound extraordinary. Welcome back. So you made a jump, right? Your current role is as president and CEO of Choose Chicago. And Choose Chicago is really the official marketing organization for Chicago as a destination. You talked earlier about space and place. This is all about um, space and place. Um, and, And I've been excited to see Um, more tourism come back to Chicago. I've been really excited to see Chicago named uh, the best big city in the U.S. for several years in a row. I always linked in that one um, whenever it comes in and and hoot and holler just a little bit. Tell us about what you you were excited about, um, what drew you to taking on this new role on behalf of our city. Well, first of all, I should just say the connection was that I actually was on the board of Choose Chicago for six years and then uh, finished my role there as vice chair of the board. Uh, You term out after two, three year terms. So I was termed out and then I became part of the search committee. Uh, for looking for a new director. And then the search committee started looking inward and asked me if I would consider this. And uh, that was not a difficult decision because I'm passionate about the city of Chicago and that choosing Chicago to promote it is just a wonderful next step for me. And so one of the, you know, it's just a fabulous time for the city. It's rebuilding the organization um, because out of any industry that was decimated, certainly tourism was totally decimated. That meant a lot of the funding stream for Choose Chicago was also decimated. So we've really had to rebuild the organization from the ground up and look at resecuring our funding streams, looking at rebuilding our staff, and of course, rebuilding our audiences. We've had a good summer. Uh, We had a very strong summer with conventions and some of the conventions were coming in close to their numbers that they had in 2019, 2018. Uh, I was thrilled with the Illinois, with the International Manufacturing Show that had 86,000 people coming to Chicago, uh, which is like building a small city at McCormick Place, I can tell you with the setup. And they had a very successful show with the highest trade floor uh, sales that they've ever done. So people are coming back. Conventions are coming back. I'd say that overall, you know, we are averaging about 80% of where we were, which is a great number. And the summer was extremely successful with our uh, both our tourism uh, numbers coming back for leisure and also our conventions coming back. And in fact, um, the average daily rate, which is uh, what you pay for a hotel room, was up higher than 2019 levels. So if you had friends and family coming to town and you didn't want to put them in your second bedroom, you certainly found out that was a lot more expensive to come to the city. 
but great to see this um, energy coming back. So it sounds like a terrific rebound. What looks different, Lynn, and what do you think will be different about tourism in, in a post-pandemic or at least a late pandemic world? Well, I think conventions are coming back strong and we will continue to see that growth. Uh, we're not seeing anything from our colleagues uh, that indicate otherwise. Leisure is coming back strong. However, it's going to be really more of a national market because international, the dollar is so high that we will see travel, but not to the same extent that it's a very expensive trip to come to America. And then we're also seeing in terms of leisure, a strong drive market as well as a strong national market. The area that I think is going to be slow to recover is just general business travel. Uh, I was, in fact, at a lunch talking with Deloitte and Carney, where they're just saying, you know, their consultants are not getting on the road the same way. They're doing it via Zoom. Uh, you as a lawyer probably know that things are happening via Zoom. So that market is going to be slower to come back. And then there's also issues of sustainability. And many corporations have sustainability goals, which means that flying, you know, unless you're buying uh, carbon credits, is not the most practical or, or the most um, sustainable method. So we see that market being a bit slower. But the other thing where we're seeing growth is a new area that we're calling leisure, where it's a combination of business and leisure. So that if you're normally you would um, bust your chops to get to the airport by Friday night, uh, stay in the city for Saturday and Sunday, then come home Sunday night because you had to get to the office on Monday. Well, now there's nothing saying that you can't work from the hotel you're in on Monday and Tuesday, then go home Tuesday night. So we're seeing that kind of leisure extension over the weekend. So hoteliers were saying we've never had such strong Thursday nights and Sunday nights. And that's really the uh, extended weekends that we're seeing. Well, that flexibility is terrific, and we're all trying to catch up on lost time and lost trips, so I can see why people want to do that. Lynn, what is your best pitch? What is Chicago's competitive advantage in your mind right now compared to some of the other cities that are trying to attract tourism? Well, you know, when we look at conventions, our competitors, uh, because of the size of our convention, I should just add, we're 2.6 million square feet of exhibition space. So we are the largest convention center in North America. Uh, so we as Chicagoans should be proud of that and know that that's a big selling feature for us when we're pitching. Um, you know, I think when you look at those two cities and you pinch, you're saying, we're a real, uh, we're a real city. We uh, have this beautiful uh, natural beauty of the lakefront. We have this beautiful man-made uh, beauty of our architecture. We have uh, wonderful cultural attractions, restaurants. We have wonderful performing arts. We have great sports teams. Really, we have we have it all, which uh, sounds like a very kind of set line, but we do truly have it all. And I think that's what people like about it. And the other thing that has really come through, uh, because Teresa, you mentioned Best Big City. We have won that six years in a row, and it's by 240,000 Condonese travelers vote for it. So it's not a vote early and often Chicago thing. It is a true, legit uh, voting. Um, and one of the things they said was that we love the Midwest hospitality. So you take all that we have to offer and you offer that Midwest hospitality. That is just the perfect combination of why you should come to Chicago. 
I love that. I love that. It's why I stay in Chicago for sure. And and I'll tell you, it just feels so good to hear that positive message getting out, whether it's in a survey like that, whether it's through individuals who come through town or whether through it's your through whether it's through your organization's messaging. Um, we have so much good news to share about Chicago and thank you so much for being part of it. So one of the things you've done a great job of already in this conversation and, and definitely in the rest of your career is promoting the careers of others, including promoting the careers of women and thinking about professional development and being a terrific mentor and friend. And you and I have had this conversation um, at, at dinner tables and over glasses of wine, but let's do it here because it's, it's a great story to tell. Um, you are the first woman in your role and your successor at the Architecture Center is a woman, so you've, you've done a great job of, of succession planning. Tell me about your efforts to guide and, and mentor and develop talent, especially uh, women talent in the market. Well, I think, you know, we always say that you can't be what you don't see. And so I think, first of all, by being a woman leader, people can see that they can go to that next level to succeed. And so at the Chicago Architecture Center, you know, one of the big things, of course, is developing the girls build, working with our teen fellows and really nurturing them. And when I received an honor at the gala, I was so touched that a young lady who I'd really nurtured um, to continue through architecture school, we had many tough love conversations where she wanted to drop off to look after family or because she was just getting overwhelmed and we had those tough love and you know she's out the other end and she's now a very sought after employee having worked at Jeannie Gang as a mentor and now uh, you know really a lot of opportunities in front of her. So I think it's being with somebody and being there for those calls which uh, you know and you can't do it for everybody but you have to select those people that you think really have what it takes to succeed. And how do you mentor them and really, uh, as I say, pull them across the finish line through those tough periods? And I think some of that is uh, about focus and conversations, but also, you know, giving them the, the skills to make those tough decisions about life decisions that they have to make. And so at Choose Chicago, I'm looking forward to, you know, we've got a lot of ladies on our team and I really want to mentor people to understand that. I'm the first female CEO at Choose, but I'm certainly not the last. And I hope that, you know, as I proceed and we look at succession, that that's something that will be in front of the organization too. Lynn, I love that perspective. And you talked about those tough love conversations. I think uh, looking back at, at my career and, and what I know about yours, there are tough moments and there are tough seasons. And in each, it's really important to have someone telling you the upside of working through that season and then or, or moment and then helping you appreciate what's on the other side of it. And I'm super grateful for the conversations I had um, like that along the way. Um, and I bet you're terrific at them. So that it's, it's great that you're that you're doing them. Um, what does mentorship look like to you more broadly than that, um, besides being there in those moments? Well, I, I think it, it works two ways. It looks for how you mentor other people. 
And how do you just coach them? I mean, when I think about mentorship, it's the one-on-one, but it's also the broader scale of saying like how you have to get engaged in community, have you have to reach out, how important your network is. And both you and I belong to a number of different organizations. And it's hard because we as women often have to balance the family and friends and you know what's going on at home. But it's really important that you also think about how you're giving back to community or how you're networking and making yourself a higher profile and more available. Uh, so I think it's hard to kind of balance that work-life challenge, but it's really critical for career success. Then I think on the other hand, when I look at people who have mentored me, they're not all women. You know, in fact, most of them are guys um, because uh, and I look at some of the tough questions they've said. And I remember when I first took over the Chicago Architecture Foundation, there was one board member that was being a bit of a bully. And one of my other board members who observed this said, you know, this is what you have to do. And he took me aside and he coached me. And it was great to see that turn around and what was happening and the way, you know, I was able to respond with confidence. But I think that helped to have somebody give me help, help build my backbone, because I think as a young woman, sometimes it's it's easy to go in that more. you know, I submissive, I mean it with a small S, but just where you're maybe not standing up for yourself. And it's nice to have somebody that says, come on, go for it. You can do it, girl. I love that. So mentoring as encouragement, mentoring as coaching in difficult moments, mentoring as the crisis helpline when someone says this is all too hard and they need that tough love conversation. And then we also talk a lot about mentoring as sponsorship and really making sure that there are people who can can guide you um, and make sure that you have opportunities. It sounds like those have all been um, part of your life as a mentee and part of your life as a mentor. Absolutely. Great summary there. So So is there any other advice that you would give either, and you can pick, that you would give you know, women entering the tourism space or just people entering this field, um, regardless of gender? Um, what is your what is your advice right now? Well, I think what is interesting about the tourism field right now and what excites me is the disruption that's happening is that, you know, everybody we're totally rebuilding the industry because of covid. And so anything that's going under disruption means that there's a lot of opportunity. So it's looking for how do you um, grow in this organization and looking for what's the entry point? Because like many industries, but especially in our industry, there's really a lack of workforce. And so there's great opportunities for people with the hospitality industry. And I think what's really interesting is for the hospitality industry, you know, you, you can get in at a very basic level. You can work in through, you know, being a front desk person or, or working in the rooms and really graduate through because there's mentorship programs in all these hotels and these restaurants and certainly, you know, with Choose Chicago. So there's a way to grow your career and opportunities and training opportunities will come as you get into it. So I think I encourage that. It's uh, fun. It's hospitality. It's all about selling our city. And who doesn't like that? But it's really got a plethora of opportunities in front of it. Oh, that's a terrific pitch. Thank you so much. So, you know, in these conversations, we like to to talk about awards and recognitions and um, ways that, that you've been um, called out for, for doing something really 
terrific. And and I have to tell you, I have this list in front of me that just sort of goes on and on and on and on. So r- rather than reading it, I'm going to ask you, Lynn, um, among all of these awards and and accolades with your name on them, well-deserved, by the way, kudos and thank you. Uh, What are some that are most meaningful to you or what sort of recognition stands out to you? Well, I mean, the most recent was very, very touching when my organization that I gave 25 years to uh, recognized me with the Lynn Osmond Legacy Award that will be given after what the first one's given to me. So that is a bit weird, you know, being on ceremony and getting your namesake as an award. But it will be given to people about public education in the built environment. And so that's really a great legacy for me because that's what I've been so passionate about. And to know that that's something that will live with my name on it going into the future. So that would be one. And then the other one that would be so proud is to be recognized with the honorary AIA, the American Institute of Architects. And that was done um, about 2004, I think, just recognizing my contribution to the industry. And that was really by peers and professionals to have that incredibly powerful. And you know, Lynn, when they name something after you and you're still going, it means you have to stay on good behavior. <laughs> I'll try my best. So I want to ask a few rapid fire questions. Let's have some fun with this. Okay. Are you ready? The lightning round is on. The light okay. is flashing. Um, word association, fun and quick answers. Uh, let's see. These are very deep and challenging, by the way. So the first one, Lynn, are you a morning person or are you a night owl? Morning. Nice. Uh, What is morning for you? Uh, It'd be about quarter to six because my Pilates class starts at six. So I just sneak over before it starts. (laughs) Okay. That is so impressive. I love that. Um, Since you're such a morning person, I'm going to ask this one, uh, tea or coffee? Coffee. Nice. How do you take it? With cream. Yum. Dark coffee or something kind of mild? Uh, Dark We have a Nespresso maker, so I love that. Oh, that's the good stuff. Um, Sweet or salty? Oh, salty. I I can go without anything sweet, but give me a bag of potato chips and I will eat them through to the bottom. I love that. Do you have a favorite kind? Uh, You know, salt and vinegar is one of my favorite. Classic. Absolutely classic. So you're a musician, so this is a hard question to ask, but what is your favorite genre or type of music? It's going to be classical, symphonic music. That's what we have on in the house all the time. That's how I knew my husband and I could live together because he likes classical music too. Oh, I love that. How did the two of you figure that out? Uh, Just, I think, what was playing on our radios. That's terrific. Okay, so now I'm going to hit home to two things that that are a little close to your profession, but we want your personal opinion, okay? There's no judging. They won't take your named award away, no matter what the answer is. So the, the, the first one is, what is your favorite building in Chicago? John Hancock. Love nice. it. Nice, why? Uh, I just love the architecture of it, the cross bracing, the way it really is iconic in the city. It's a beautiful building. It totally is. And then uh, comparing um, comparing two of your loves here, from the Chicago Architecture Center, Architecture Boat Tour or Open House Chicago? Mm, I can't pick between my two favorite children. That, no, as, no. as any good mother would say, that is totally the right answer. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe one starts at the at, at, at with the boat tour and then out to Open House Chicago. It might have to be 
a full day with your coffee and a bag of potato chips ready to go. (laughs) I don't usually do salty with coffee, just so you know. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So Lynn, this has been a terrific conversation. I've taken away a lot um, from talking with you today, even though I already knew you. Um, I love your journey. I love each step of that journey and how it started with such a strong foundation, as, as you said, was important. Um, in a career, uh, but but really has taken terrific, um, a terrific path. I love your leadership lessons, um, your mentoring guides, and I'm super excited about the role you are playing now for Choose Chicago and for our city at this magical moment. Um, your energy and passion will matter. And you said earlier in our conversation, you know, with, with the right energy and passion, you can grow anything. And I am so confident that you will continue to grow our reputation and our opportunity and our really exciting buzz around our city. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Well, thank you. That's all for today's episode of The Executives Exchange, sponsored by Shure Incorporated. Thanks for listening. If you have Chicago speakers you think we should cover, please send us an email at media at executivesclub.org. The Executives Exchange is a production of the Executives Club of Chicago. Audio equipment for the Executives Club podcast is provided by Shure. Whether you're making a point or making history, Shure lets you sound extraordinary. It's written by me, Margaret Mueller, produced by Eva Pinar. Research and support from the staff of the Executives Club of Chicago. We appreciate you subscribing and reviewing the show from wherever you listen. Feel free to follow the club on Twitter at Exec Club and on LinkedIn. If you have more questions or are interested about becoming a member at the Executives Club of Chicago, check us out on the web at executivesclub.org.